Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson and with me is... Lucas. Lucas. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. We thank you for joining us as we explore, discuss, and grow as followers of Christ. We'll see, maybe. Uh, (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) On today's Christians of History episode, uh, Lucas is going to be talking about the life of Richard Allen, who... Mm, I think I know nothing about. Maybe maybe I do, and I'm just like blanking on the name. Um, so if I don't know, and maybe I shouldn't say something like that. I was going to say, if I don't know, <laughs> you guys definitely don't know, because that sounds bad. But there's a good chance that many of us might not know who it is. So I'm excited to, to dive into this one. Yeah, I want to do it. I want to... I don't know if you've got the, the document in front of you, in which case this will be ruined because it'll be spoiled. But I want you to guess. I don't. It is there, but it's not open. So. Okay. Go so I'm, I'm thinking of something. Like, I want you to guess what okay. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a Protestant denomination that was founded in America. It's 200 years old. And in the year 2000, it had over two and a half million members. Do you have any idea what denomination I'm thinking of? So it was, it's Protestant, founded yep. in America. Yep. So it's, I mean, you said it's like 200 years old, so it's not historic. In that, it's not thousands. Of, okay, so uh, I want to say like IFB, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. So I don't know. The African Methodist Episcopal Church was and is you know it still exists um was the first african-american denomination that was founded in the states um Hmm. like i said two over two and a half million members 20 years ago so i'm sure that number is higher now um it's still going strong but if you're anything like me and it seems like you um you probably we probably don't know very much if anything about the this denomination you know like I, i can't say that I really know much about it. I, I can vaguely remember hearing the name somewhere once, you know. Um, I, I remember reading about it in, in my American Protestantism course that I took, but before that, I, you know, it's it just, it's interesting to me. We're talking about an American Protestant denomination with, with millions of members and really, like, almost no cultural impact uh, you know, with a big asterisk there, in the circles that I grew up in, in the culture that I was honestly. a part of. Um, so I wanted to kind of frame it that way because I think it's really cool to dive into um, Richard Allen's history because he was the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church as well as their first bishop. So this is the story and the life and the work of Rich of, sorry, he was a bishop, the Right Reverend Richard Allen. So he was born in Philadelphia as a slave, um, kind of like reminds me of Lemuel Lemuel Haynes, which we talked about last week. Um, He was sold to a different owner who lived in Delaware, and then when he was 17, he was converted by Methodist preachers. Um, And pretty much immediately, he kind of just jumped into preaching to everybody around him. So his, his family everyone on the plantation, his master, um, it, you know, people in local Methodist churches. He he kind of immediately just was a preacher boy. And uh, this led to a lot of people converting, including his master, um, 
and eventually uh, Richard Allen saved up enough money, I, I guess, and, and was able to buy his, his freedom, um, and he became a free man. And what he uh, started to do in the, in the early 1780s, um, after he received a license to preach, he started traveling around the, the Mid-Atlantic region uh, Methodist preaching circuit as a traveling preacher. And if, if you're not familiar with, with uh, Methodism, especially back in the day that we're talking about in like the 17 and 1800s, um, they, they were known for traveling Methodist preachers that would go on these, they called them circuits, and they were basically just routes that, that they would travel on throughout the year. And it would be, it's like a big circle, I think. And like, so you would go from town to town to town, village, farm, whatever, uh, preaching, and you would travel along this this Methodist preaching circuit, and then over the course of a, a year or whatever, you'd make your way to all the towns, and then the next year you'd go back to all of them, and and it was it was this this lifestyle of a of an itinerant preacher. Um, and while he was doing this, you know, he whenever he'd run out of money, he would take odd jobs and and earn some money, and then continue on his way preaching. Um, and as Richard Allen is doing this in the early 1780s, he's he gained the support of some pretty prominent leaders in the Methodist movement, um, including the very influential uh, Methodist bishop Francis Asbury, um, who basically like helped make sure he had places to preach. Um, I don't I don't know exactly what that looked like back then, but but he was kind of like a bit of a of a supporter and advocate for um, for Richard Allen, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, in then in 1786, Allen moved back to Philadelphia, and he joined St. George's Methodist Church. Um, he became really involved there in leading prayer groups and study groups for African Americans in the community. And as a result of that, a lot more African Americans joined the church, um, you know, meaning St. George's Church specifically. And clearly, that's amazing. That's a great thing. Um, but it also caused a lot of tensions due to prejudice and r racism between the white congregants and the black congregants, um, which really and came to sort of a breaking point in um, November of 1787. I'm actually going to read in Richard Allen's own words, um, I'm reading out of Douglas Sweeney's book, The American Evangelical Story, which is a great overview of American Protestant evangelical history. Um, so I'm. this uh, is an account from, Allen, from Allen's own words. A number of us usually attended St. George's and 4th Street, and when the colored people began to get numerous in attending the church, they moved us from the seats we usually sat on and placed us around the wall. And on Sabbath morning, we went to church and the sexton stood at the door and told us to go into in the gallery. He told us to go and we would see where to sit. We expected to take the seats over the ones we formerly occupied below, not knowing any better. We took those seats. Meeting had begun and they were nearly done singing. And just as we got to the seats, the elder said, let us pray. We had not been long upon our knees before I heard considerable scuffling and low talking. I raised my head up and saw one of the trustees having hold of the Reverend Absalom Jones, who was an, uh, another black leader at St. George's and was a, a friend and colleague of Richard Allen. Um, 
So uh, saw one of the trustees having hold of the Reverend Absalom Jones, pulling him up off his knees and saying, you must get up, you must not kneel here. Mr. Jones replied, wait until prayer is over. The trustee said, no, you must get up now or I will call for aid and force you away. Mr. Jones said, wait until prayer is over and I will get up and trouble you no more. With that, he beckoned to one of the other trustees to come to his assistance. He came and went to William White to pull him up. By this time, prayer was over, and we all went out of the church in a body, and they were no more plagued with us in that church. So you can kind of see in this story the way they, the church segregated the seating in the pews, made the African-American congregants sit up in the balcony away from everyone, and they accidentally sat in a place that was reserved for whites and then were in the middle of prayer even <laughs> accosted and to, to move to a, you know, a quote unquote proper uh, seat, I guess, or whatever. Dude, so I cannot imagine. And like, can you imagine like that in a congregation? Like I'm own, sure it's happening in your own recently, church. But, yeah. Oh yeah. I know it's really, it's really sad. It's, it's, it's really sad to think about and, and, and just hard to imagine, you know, thankfully it's hard for me to imagine that. <laughs> um, but not thankfully that is a reality <laughs> of, of the yeah. way that, People were treated and continued to be treated for many, 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 many years after that story took place. Um, and it, yeah, it's imagine just... the words of Paul to a church, uh, a modern. I mean, I know that's not modern because the 1700s, or whatever. But I'm just trying to picture like Paul's words to our even 21st century churches right now, mm. and what what would be said of our disunity. It's kind of scary to think about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Absalom Jones and Richard Allen, they, they and, and their compatriots, they left the church. Um, and, and like he said, they were no more plagued with us in the church, which I just love the, just the irony in that statement. Just, uh. But anyway, um, so they set up uh, something called the Free African Society, which was the first African-American voluntary association. And it basically was uh, an organization to help people with things like insurance and finding housing. And they also did some like um, evangelizing and like spiritual um, meeting people's spiritual needs as well as physical needs. Um, and then, so a little bit later in 1794, uh, Richard Allen purchased uh, a building. I think it was an old, like a former blacksmith's shop or something, which is kind of cool. But um, and he started a church for African Americans because they clearly weren't welcome in you know, the mainstream, the white Methodist church. So he started Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church. Um, so that really influential and important Methodist bishop, Francis Asbury, he actually dedicated that new church. And then a few years later in 1799, he ordained Richard Allen um, to the Methodist ministry. So then that was in 1799 where Allen became ordained. And then it wasn't until 1816, because of a lot of resistance um, from the white Methodists in town, a really long legal battle. I don't know the details, but it just, I can't imagine that was pleasant <laughs> for um, Allen and, and the, the Bethel Church. But um, in 1816, so this is now like 20-ish years after the church was founded and like 17 years after um, he got ordained. Finally, in 1816, the African Methodist Episcopal Church was like legally, you know, their property and, and as far as like 
the legal side of it. They they gained their independence and 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 was established as its own denomination. Uh, Allen Richard Allen became its first bishop, and he was also the the first African American consecrated as a bishop in the country of any denomination um, at that point, um, which is pretty cool. And he he continued to serve as uh, bishop. I, I think he served at the original church that he founded, Bethel African Methodist Episcopal in Philadelphia. Um, and he was the, and served as the bishop for the AME um, church uh, until his death in the, I forget the date, the 1830s, I think. Um, and he oversaw a lot of growth and that growth has, has continued through down through the centuries. As I, like I said, in the beginning, it, it it's, it's a still, um, pretty significant congregation uh denomination just numerically when you think about you know two and a half million people that's that's not a small amount of 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 christians you know um so richard allen was as i was researching him i was just realizing in so many ways he was a man of firsts um first you know started the first uh african free uh voluntary society in the in the country started the first African-American denomination, was the first African-American bishop, <laughs> was the first bishop of the denomination he founded. Um, just a really, just a trailblazing life, you know? And, and it, it seems um, similarly to the AME church today in as far as my upbringing and cultural experience, just kind of a low profile even as he's going about these things, doing so many things for the first time, um, which is, is just so interesting and fascinating to look back on. Um, and because of all those firsts, he, he's, I think, a, historically a really important figure um, when we're talking about the history of, of Protestantism in America, and especially when we're, if we're looking at the history of the African-American church and, and the development and history and contributions um, that that segment of the American church has, has, you know, gone through and, and given. And I think that even if, even if the AME church isn't as well known popularly as a lot of other mainline churches or other denominations, um, the fact that it, it exists today reveals just how much of an impact um, he had on this nation as far as, as far as um, the gospel goes. Um and it's also kind of cool, you know, he he was a lifelong Methodist and, and he was committed to um, the gospel and spreading it. And he was committed to the gospel as expressed in Methodism. Um, and he was he was talking about sort of what appealed to him about Methodism. And, and he said, and I really like this quote, um, the plain and simple gospel suits best for any people for the unlearned can understand and the learned are sure to understand. Um and he, he, I think, really found in that, you know, what he found to be the plain and simple gospel, he was able to take it to his master when he was a slave and his his family and fellow slaves on the plantation. And, and he, he um, con- seems to me continued that throughout the rest of his life and ministry, which is just, just really cool. So Richard Allen is, uh, I think, a really exciting um, figure. And I was really just yeah just excited to learn what i did about him when i was preparing for this and really excited to get to to share those 
those thoughts and those facts about his life with everyone. So, yeah, that's Richard Allen. Sweet. Man, I'm every time we close one of these, I'm reminded we're going to like meet these people one day in glory. I mean, you know, obviously the ones that I'm sure we'll eventually get to more modern, you know, Christians of history, but especially, especially these ancient ones who the only way we can read about them is, you know, in, in books, it's not like we can listen to their sermons. We can't, you know, watch their YouTube videos. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of exciting to, to think about that. The fact that we'll see these people one day, but definitely thank you, Lucas, for, uh, taking the time to, to discuss Richard Allen. And thank you, uh, for taking the time to listen if you're the listener and uh, we just we want to thank you for for listening to this episode of our Christians of History edition of the Doxology podcast if you'd like to connect with us we welcome you to hit us up on Twitter uh, you know we have a lot of very hot and fiery tweets coming at you every single day actually not really every day but <laughs> somewhat frequently you can find our dope pictures online at the same handle uh, on instagram doxology podcast or if you're old-fashioned you can email us at doxology podcast at gmail.com uh, we we would love your feedback your questions episode ideas we'd love for you to interact um especially when it comes to Christians of history by giving us ideas for who to talk about, who you'd like to learn about. I know a couple of you have already. Don't worry. They are in our queue for people to, uh, to be discussed. And we'll even, if we can remember who you are, give you a shout out. Um, but we also welcome you to sign up for our newsletter to get weekly reminders and announcements of, of what we're doing. Uh, check out logos.com uh, slash doxology podcast. Uh, we'd, we'd just love to hear from you. So we hope you guys have a good rest of your day. Peace. Peace.